Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. All right. So uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I got it up here. I like it when we read the Word of God together. So can we do that? Here we go. It's from Matthew 13, verses 10 to 15. This is the NIV. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And then is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Dude, I'm so thirsty this morning. What's going on? I think I drank too much coffee. Is that what it is? I don't know. Let me just get a sip of water first, guys. My wife tells me that I don't drink enough water, and I tell her you don't know what you're talking about. But she's right this morning. Um, All right, here we go. Have you ever, friends, been in a conversation when someone's talking to you, and you're nodding your head like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And like one minute later, you're like, I have absolutely no idea what this person just talked about in the last minute. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, okay? Thank you for being honest. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying before the presence of the Lord. Right? Like you hear them, but not really listening to them, right? So according to my wife, whom I love with all of my heart, I supposedly am guilty of doing this sometimes, Supposedly, all right? Um, Yeah. So anyone else here have ever been falsely accused of something like this? Yes, yes. I see significant others like, anyways. Can you go next slide? Have you ever looked at something but not really see it? So when my wife and I just started dating, Uh, many, many years ago, she wanted to visit the Met Museum. Now, if you know me, looking at paintings and sculptures doesn't scream, you know, like that's not my cup of tea. Um, But, you know, I really liked Kat and I just wanted to be with her. So we went to the Met. Now, uh, my approach to looking at paintings is a lot like my approach to uh, shopping for clothes. I know what I want. I go in and I'm out. You know what I mean? And so, like, when I'm there, I go, ah, that's eh, move on. Oh, that's nice, move on. Ooh, that's really nice. I look for like five seconds and then move on. You know, that's my approach. So I don't linger. I look quickly and move on. Now, one of my wife's favorite painting at the Met is this one right here. It's called The Penitent's. Magdalene by a French artist by, I hope I don't butcher his name, Georges de la Tour. It was made in 1640. Now remember, I don't linger. 
I just move on. I look quickly and move on, right? So, I, you know, she and I, we got to this painting, and I remember I looked at it, and I, I'm pretty sure I made a really, really astute observation of this painting. I think I said something like, babe, that red is really bright. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I just moved on. I just moved on. Now, by the time I looked no exaggeration. By the time I looked at every single painting in the wing, right, that entire section of the museum that this painting was in, my wife or girlfriend, she was still looking at the penitent Magdalene. So I circled back to her. And she is, oh my gosh, she is observing. She is studying this painting. I mean, seriously, if she looked any harder, I think she would have burned a hole in that thing. You know, she was looking that hard. Now, for me, I, I think I was able to appreciate the surface-level beauty of this artwork, but I failed to see, right? I, I failed to discern and appreciate the, the deeper meaning behind the artwork, like, Notice that the light is so bright only on Mary. Notice that there is, I mean, just notice the direction of her gaze. Notice the symbolism or why that skull is there on her lap. The symbolism of the mirror and why there are two images of a candle. I didn't catch that. I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't think it was that important, actually. Right? I mean, I saw the painting, but I didn't really see it. You know what I'm saying? Right? I didn't really see it. I didn't understand it. Friends, I believe that this is the battle that we as people of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, engage in every single day. The battle to see, the battle to hear, the battle to understand what God is doing right in front of us what he's doing in us, through us, and around us. Amen? Our ability to discern these things is really important. It's really, really important. So today we're looking at the, uh, Matthew's account of Jesus' ministry. Now, before, we just read chapter 13. In chapters 1 through 12, according to Matthew, Jesus has yet to speak a single parable. I don't know if you caught that. He didn't teach once using parables. But then in chapter 13, he whips out this new form of teaching called parables. And so when he does that, the disciples are like, whoa, Jesus, what's going on here? What's up with this? They ask him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And this was his response. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, not to them. So, friends, this is what we need to know about Jesus' parables. One, they are short stories, but they are short stories packed with revelation, knowledge, truths about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. By the way, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, it means the same thing. These revelations of the kingdom of God are given to those who believe. So when he says, it's given to you, it's given to you, he's talking about Christians, followers of Christians. That's what he's talking about, followers of Christians, followers of Christ. Yes, that's what he's talking about. 
And two, these revelations are gifts. Friends, revelations are not earned. You didn't earn revelations. Amen? Thank God. Yes, they're not, they're not earned. They're not deserved. They're given to you. They are gifted to you by God. And three, Jesus' parables reveal truths about us. And that's the one thing about his parables that I so love, that they, they act like mirrors to our soul. They're mirrors that strip away all of the pretension, all of the masks that we put up in front of other people, right? It strips away all the bull beep, all the lies that we tell others and all the lies we tell ourselves. The parables have an excellent way of stripping those down. You're kind of faced with who you really are. Oh, this is who I really am. This is really the condition of my soul. Damn, it's not nice. Or this is actually what you really believe about me, God, and my creation. The parables are revelations, friends. So if Jesus' parables reveal the truth of the kingdom of God, I think it begs the question, what the heck is the kingdom of God? Like, what is the kingdom of God? Now, um, we can literally have an entire eight-part sermon series on what the kingdom of God is, but I'm going to do the very, very ambitious thing of breaking it down in the next two minutes, okay? So pray for me, Sue. All right, here we go. <laughs> Simply put, the, amen. All right, the, the kingdom of God is about the rule and reign of God here on earth. That is like the most simplistic way of explaining it. Now, we see the idea of the kingdom in Genesis, in Genesis 2, God gives man authority to work and take care of his creation. That word work is, in the Hebrew, is a word avad, which means to cultivate. That word take care in the original language Hebrew is samar, which means to watch, observe, to guard. And you couple that with Genesis 1. God blesses Adam and Eve to be fruitful. He gives them authority to fill the earth and exercise their God-given authority. So, friends, you put that all together. This is the kingdom. God desires in his kingdom for humanity to rule, cultivate, expand, watch over, guard his creation, his land, his kingdom. And in other words, friends, God desires his people to be kingdom rulers and kingdom advancers. Amen. That is the kingdom in a nutshell. This idea of ruling over, uh, it doesn't mean to be oppressive. It doesn't mean to be abusive, coercive. It means to steward well. To steward well. So to be kingdom advancers, friends, is to be faithful stewards of God's kingdom. Faithful stewards of his kingdom. But of course... It only takes three chapters in the Bible to, for man to mess that up, <laughs> right? Like, you don't have to read that far in Genesis to be like, ah, oh, dang it, Adam. Eve, come on, man, you know? When Adam and Eve decided to obey Satan instead of God in the garden, the repercussions were huge. And I think none more, no one effect of the sin that was the most damaging is this. Man gave Satan some of his and her legal right to rule on earth. 
This is why the Bible, the Word of God, calls Satan the prince of this world. This is why Satan is called prince of the power of the air, the god of this age. Uh, Dr. Chuck Davis, he's, he's one of my favorite professors at Alliance Theological Seminary. And in my opinion, I don't know any man who knows more about the ooh, kingdom of God than he does. And he says this about the fallout from Adam and Eve disobeying God. If my wife's watching, she's like, you should have drank water, Danny. All right, here we go. Uh, this is what he says. The result of the fall is simple. A broken relationship expressed in shame and hiding. Life of struggle rooted in power domination versus spiritual authority. Work experienced as cursed toil rather than stewardship. And catch this. Through the introduction of and the obedience to another ruler, that's Satan, the natural cooperation with God in exercising his authority became an unnatural struggle. Did you catch that? Read the entire Old Testament. It is a testimony of man's unnatural struggle to exercise his and her God-given authority on earth. But there's good news. Thank God there's good news. Jesus comes, and he ushers in the beginning of the restoration of the kingdom of God. Say, that's good news. That is good news, right? Luke 4, he, and Jesus makes it so plain. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. The coming of the kingdom of God, the beginning of the restoration of the kingdom of God is Jesus' central theme on earth. There is not even a close second, folks. If you read the Gospels, this theme of the kingdom is mentioned over 90 times. I mean, there isn't even a close second place. He's serious about restoring the kingdom of God. So friends, I think it's safe to say that it is the desire of Jesus that all of his followers live as kingdom advancers. Can I get a meant to that? All of you. If Jesus is your dude, if he's your guy, he's your Lord, he wants you to be a kingdom advancer. Now, Jesus didn't talk the talk, but he walked the walk. You know that. He used his mouth to proclaim the kingdom. And then if you look in the book of Mark, there are countless stories of power encounters, of Jesus advancing the kingdom of God through healing the sick, the deaf, the mute, the blind, the paralyzed, and even the dead. That's amazing. I wish I could see that. I think, oh, my God. I think I'll just die seeing someone raised from the dead. You know what I mean? Like, that will be amazing. Jesus was advancing the kingdom of God, and he wasn't doing it alone. In Luke chapter 10, he brings followers with him. He gives them authority. He gives them authority. Jesus gives them authority to proclaim and advance the kingdom of God through words and signs. Can you repeat after me? Not my authority. Oh, come on, man. Not my authority, but his authority. Let's say it again. Not my authority, but his authority. Come on, man. Preach to me. 
So his followers, I love this, his followers come back, they're excited. Like when I read this, I feel like these disciples are acting like little kids. Like, oh my God, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? Right? They're saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Amazing! And this is Jesus' response to them. He says, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Amen. Repeat after me. Not my authority, but his authority. Come on. So if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, get this. You are called to be an advancer of the kingdom of God. Amen. You are called to advance, to watch over, to steward, to guard God's kingdom here on earth. That is your call. If you're like, I don't know what I'm doing in life, there's your answer. There's your answer. This was the purpose of Jesus' ministry on earth. This was the purpose of his teachings. This was the purpose of his parables to reveal, to give you, to gift you the knowledge of this. That's why he came. Now, here comes a challenge, friends. This is where your pride may get rubbed a little bit now. Here's the challenge. When we are given a gift, we have two choices. You can accept it or you can reject it. Now, we know what happens when we choose to accept this gift. We know what happens when we choose to understand this gift and apply it, allow the truth to really sink deep in our soul and apply it. Because Jesus talks about that in the same chapter. The parable of the sower. The seed, that's the knowledge of the kingdom of God. Falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Friends, when we choose to accept the gift of God's knowledge and revelation of the kingdom of God, we will produce kingdom fruit. You will produce kingdom fruit that will help you to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Do you believe that? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Lord. Now, the flip side of that is also true. We know what happens when we choose to reject God's revelation. We know what happens when we choose to reject the knowledge of the kingdom and not understand it. In the same parable, Jesus says this, When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches it away, what was sown in the heart. That's the seed sown along the path. Now, that sounds bad, right? That sounds bad, but it's actually way worse than that. It's actually way worse than that. Jesus talks about this. Jesus said those who reject, those who fail to understand kingdom truth is more like this. Those seeing, they don't really see. Those hearing, they don't really understand or hear. So church, can you catch this? Just catch this, all right? 
It is absolutely possible for you to have eyes to see, but be totally spiritually blind to what God is trying to show you. It is absolutely possible for you to be here right now, listen to the sermon, and walk out, I have no idea what he just said. It's possible to know. You can read your Bible every day to the day you die, and it's possible that you will not understand it. And not apply it to your life. Friends, this is the reality. This is the reality of those who choose to reject. Who choose to say no. Don't come in. I will not understand it. I will not apply it. This is the reality, friends. And here's the thing. (laughs) It's not like this is a new phenomenon, right? This has been a struggle for humanity for thousands of years. In the same chapter, Jesus pulls out an Old Testament prophecy from the time of Isaiah. This is God's prophetic word to Isaiah about the people of Israel in the Old Testament time. Right? This is what God says to Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. He's talking about the people of Israel. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become what? Callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Folks, this was happening in Isaiah's time. It was happening in Jesus' time. You better believe it's happening today. And I'm quite sure it's going to happen to the day Jesus comes back to fully restore God's kingdom on earth. So why? Why is it so dang hard? Why do people fail to hear, fail to see, fail to understand the revelation and knowledge of the kingdom of God? And Jesus makes it plain, man. The people's heart has become callous. Other translations say dull. The heart has become dull, hardened, callous, insensitive, undiscerning to God. And, man, can you catch this? This process of the heart becoming dull, insensitive, is such a vicious cycle. This is what happens. When we choose to say no to God's gift of his revelation and the knowledge of the kingdom, when we choose to say, I don't want any of that, I don't want to understand that, what happens is our heart gets just a little bit more dull to God. Just a little bit. And when a heart gets just a little bit more dull, you know what happens, right? It, it, it gets just that much harder to discern and to hear and to follow him. And of course, when that happens, it, just, it gets just a little bit more easier for us to reject and not choose to understand God's words and directives. And you know where I'm trying to go with this, right? That downward spiral, right? Friends, this is such a dangerous place to be in. Can you please hear me? Hear me. If you're watching online, hear me. 
this is such a dangerous place to be in because a dull, hardened, callous heart will render you spiritually blind. A callous heart will render you spiritually deaf. It will render you spiritually undiscerning. Your heart will become numb. God could scream in your ear and it will just be white noise to you. That's scary. Dangerous place to be in. And make no mistake about it, friends. If we can't see him, hear him, understand him, can't discern him, and choose to not obey him, oh, you better believe you will see, you will hear, you will choose to understand counterfeit truth. Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Oh, you better believe it. You know why? Because that is Satan's sweet spot. That is his sweet spot. The Bible calls him the father of lies. Oh, he is so good at twisting God's truth ever so slightly, tricking us into thinking, oh, that's kingdom truth. Oh, it's a dangerous place to be in, church. Very dangerous place to be in. So here's a take-home application. What do we do about this, Danny? You're scaring me, Danny. I'm sorry if I'm scaring you. But not really, but you know what I mean, right? So what do we do about this? I'm, I'm going to give you one take-home application, just one. And it's this. This week, would you examine how you view and how you treat people? All right? That's your one take-home application. Examine how you look at people, how you hear people, how you understand people. Last week, uh, no, it's not last week, but the last few weeks, gosh, I've just been loving. Have you been checking out Mike's sermon the last few weeks? Yo, man, my man's on fire, man. Like, I, geez, Louise, he's been hammering home the point, right? You have to love one another. I am yours and you are mine, right? Last week, Pastor Mike said this. The kingdom truth is this. You are an image bearer of God. Did you catch that? Remember that? You are precious to God. You are worthy to God. You are a person of honor to God. You are lovely in the eyes of God. Amen? Guys, that is kingdom truth. That's kingdom truth. This kingdom truth of a person's worth, value, honor, identity as a beloved child of God applies to everyone, everyone, because in the kingdom, people matter. People matter. There's no exception. I mean, you guys know this if you've been coming to church for a while. The two greatest commandment, what is it? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. And what's the second one? Exactly. Now, even though there are two commandments, I, I think they're really one because to love God is to love people. And when you love people, you're really loving God. So it's kind of, they're kind of melded into one. So friend, in God's kingdom, people matter. And loving people really matters. Amen? So look at the person next to you and say, you matter. Look at the person on the other side and say, you matter to God. Yeah. You matter. If you're tuning in today, I believe it's because you matter to God. 
God wants you to hear this. Whether you're here in person or you're watching online, you matter to God. Friends, these kingdom truths, oh boy, these kingdom truths that all are beloved by God and that we are to love all of God's children, this applies to you, amen? It applies to the person sitting next to you, amen? It applies to your family, your kids, your family. It also applies to that neighbor who's really kind of weird and annoying. You know who that is. God loves that person too. It also applies to that coworker who is always kind of a Debbie Downer. You know who I'm talking about. It applies to that person too. You know who it also applies to? It applies to MAGA supporters. It applies to riding with Biden supporters. You know who else that applies to? It applies to supporters of Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. They all matter to God. Amen? You know who that applies to? Heterosexuals, bisexuals, pansexuals, asexuals, homosexuals, transgender, and everything in between. They all matter to God. Amen? You know who else matter to God? Black folks, white folks yellow folks, brown folks, and every other color in between. They matter to God. Amen. Friends, when we fail to see anyone as a beloved child of God, when we make excuses for why this person or that group is not deserving of your love and compassion, I'm going to make it plain. Is it possible that your heart has become callous? Is it possible, friends, that you are spiritually blind? That you are spiritually deaf? Spiritually undiscerning? to see, hear, and understand the heart of God for his people. Now, friends, I want to make this really clear. Let's not confuse loving people with condoning their their lifestyle or their convictions. I want to make this super clear. I'm not saying, hey, if you're going to love them, that means you have to switch political parties. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you're going to love them, you have to conform to that person's values. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this. Let's let's be super clear, all right? Kingdom values must always supersede your personal values. Amen? Friends, kingdom values that all are worthy in the eyes of God the Creator that God loves them, we're to love them, that must supersede any personal biases. It must. It has to. It has to. Now, folks, I'll be honest. I'm preaching to myself right now. All right? Let me be very honest with you. (laughs) I'm preaching to myself right now because... Last year, boy, last year was a rough year. And I was living with a hardened heart for a good part of last year. 
Now, I like keeping up with the news. I like reading posts on social media. So, you know, last year there was a lot of home quarantining, so that means there's a lot of internet surfing time. So that's what I did, a crap load of home internet surfing time. And last year, I did a lot of reading of people's posts and comments, especially when it came to things like race, social injustice issues, politics, the election, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, COVID. And I have to say, I was very unpleasantly surprised by a lot of the things that I read online, especially by Christians. And at first, I tried to understand that person's perspective, you know? Because listen, when someone goes off on social media, you know it's just a symptom of something deeper going on, right? Like it's coming from a place of fear or anger or anxiety or something like that. So that spurred me to really pray for that person. Pray like God changes his mind, but more like pray like God, just, just be with that person. But the more posts I read, the more comments I read, uh, I don't know when it happened, but slowly that compassion turned to criticism. And I stopped trying to understand that person's point of view, and that critical attitude turned to ridicule, and that ridicule somehow morphed into, I was, hey, I'm going to be so vulnerable with you guys, I was secretly hoping that person would be hit in the face with humble pie. I'll just, I'll be real with you. I'll be real with you. That's what I was secretly hoping in my heart of hearts. I didn't pray. I stopped trying to understand that person. I mean, I didn't realize it then, but I get it now. My heart was hard. I was callous. I was blind and I didn't even know it. I was deaf. I didn't even know it. I was so completely off the mark and undiscerning to God's heart, I didn't even know it. And you know, and the scary part is I felt justified in my criticism and my judgment my judgmentalism. You know what I mean, right? Right? Being judgmental and critical. This is such a dangerous place to be in, people of God. It's a very dangerous place to be in. A callous heart. Oh, geez, I skipped slides. Yeah, you can take a picture of that. <laughs> in the kingdom of God, people matter. Friends, a callous heart cannot see people the way God sees people. A callous heart cannot understand and listen to the people the way God does. A callous heart cannot love people. And I'm pretty sure a callous heart can't advance the kingdom of God. But there's hope, friends. I'll close with this. There's hope. There's always hope. And the last part of that prophecy that Jesus talks about, there's one line that I want to give to you. Jesus says, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and then what? Turn. And I will heal them. Church, God can heal a hardened heart if that heart, bless you, if that heart turns back to him. What does it mean to turn? It means to, to repent. Repent. To humble yourself 
Confess your sins to Jesus. Forgiveness is there. Just receive it. Turn from the ways that have hardened your heart, and God will heal your heart. Amen? Friends, this is the place that I've been in for the last, like, month and a half. I've been asking God to shine his light in my heart, in my life these days, and expose all the areas that I've been deaf to, blind to. And can I just say, God really loves those prayers. (laughs) Amen? God really likes answering those prayers because God really wants you to be aligned with him. And so, God has been faithfully answering that prayer. (laughs) I'll I'll just leave it at that. He has been faithfully answering that prayer, and I've been doing a lot of repenting lately. My eyes have been opened to see the many, many areas where my pride and my ego and my self-righteousness have really blinded me. And I've laid down my hardened heart time and time again when I was called to. And friends, God's word is true. When you do that, he will heal your heart. And I'm telling you right now, I can feel my heart changing. I know it because I feel it. I can feel my heart changing towards the same folks who I was crucifying last year. I can see those same people, but much differently. I can hear them, but I can hear them so much clearly. And now when I pray for them, it's not this, God bless them, but it's, you know, God bless them. God bless them. Oh, jeez. Church, if we're going to be kingdom advancers, we have to have hearts that are aligned with God. That's the only way we can have eyes that see, ears that hear, minds that understand the kingdom. That's the only way we can see people the way God does and to love them the way God does. Amen? And when we do that, friends, I'm confident we will advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Do you want that? Let's be kingdom advancers together. Amen? This morning, Danny has given us a couple, um, a couple steps, a couple homework assignments, I think. The first one, he asked us to examine ourselves this week and how we see people and how we treat people. And then he calls us to repentance. And repentance can be a really scary thing, just the word repent. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word repent, sometimes it's like, ah! But the thing is, when we spend time in the presence of the Lord and we repent, and we do it in the presence of the Lord, it's actually a beautiful thing. And the image that the Lord even shared with me this, even this weekend was just, You know, when my kids spend time at their grandparents' house, they come back and they smell like their grandparents' house. Friends, when you spend time in the house of the Lord, you smell like the house of the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? My prayer for us as the church 
is that this week we would spend time in the house of the Lord, that we would be willing to examine our hearts in his presence, and that we would turn and we would repent in his presence. And as we do that, we will begin to smell like him. And we will begin to carry that smell and that presence with us wherever we go. And we can be those kingdom advancing people that Danny has called us to. So if you're willing to to venture out and try this this week with me, would you just open up your hands? Father, I know that there are places in my own life that I need to turn and repent and I need to give them to you. And Lord, I say that I won't be afraid because I know that when I am in your presence, it's beautiful and you love me and you gave up everything for me. And so I can come to you from that place of knowing that you are ultimate and that I am ultimate to you and that the people that you call me to live with and serve with and be with are ultimate to you. So Father, we give these places to you. We wanna smell like you. We wanna be people who are so saturated with your kingdom that we reek of heaven. We wanna advance your kingdom here on this earth. We wanna be part of the mission. And so we give you these places. We ask that you would forgive us. And we live from the knowledge knowing that you will and have forgiven us. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.